What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 154. I'm of course, I'm of course your host, Josh Burton, and joining me tonight, it is a little different episode as we start to make our progression through the summer and we get ready for the upcoming 2023-2024 college basketball season. I am joined tonight by a friend of the show, a friend of the network, a partner in our network over at House Enterprise and House of College Hoops. I'm joined tonight by my friend, Michael Della De Rosa, to talk all things Big East basketball. Michael, we've been talking a little off-air about uh, you're actually Italian. I'm pseudo-Italian, so we have that little bond besides the network. But how are you doing tonight, my friend? You know, man, in there. You know, it's uh, it's we got, what, three months till like, really the season almost gets started. So, you know, drag of the off-season. But, you know, I... Always good to talk college hoops. Nothing nothing makes me happier. So very yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, we're in those um like baseball calls it the dog days of summer, and that's true for college basketball as well. Um starting for on our end on the ECB and we everybody knows uh, last year we put out our first edition of the ECB magazine. We've been doing extensive work on that. It's brutal this time of year too, because you're trying to get rosters and do yeah. these updates and everything's changing. I mean <laughs> Full disclosure, I take care of the SEC and the Big East, which we will talk about tonight. And I had the SEC done, dusted, and then Chris Leedland decides he's going to leave Tennessee and go to St. John's. So I'm like, got to go delete him from Tennessee, add him to St. John's. So much to going on, ever-changing in the world of NIL. But we're getting there, man. I, I think this year with, uh, with a lot of high-profile names coming back, I think we're set up for another – extraordinarily fun college basketball season but tonight's topic you are part of the group over there at the road to the garden that extensively covers the big east basketball that's what we're going to discuss tonight kind of take a look at some of the rosters kind of get our our uh, our feet wet into the big east conference as we get closer to the start of the season so before we kind of start reeling off questions to you about rosters because there's going to be some really good teams i think UConn's got a chance to go back to back before we get into all that kind of your observations on what you expect from Big East basketball after having a a revival this last year that culminated with one of their teams being national champions I think we're looking at a Big East where I mean granted this is a very high expectation but I think it's like it could happen I think we could have seven tournament teams out of this conference out of the 11 teams the Big East looks I mean it looks excellent this year you have three teams who are probably like borderline top 10 teams with Marquette Creighton and UConn, of course. And then you got some teams who are probably going to fill around, like Rick Pitino is one of the best coaches in college basketball. You know that. I know that. Everyone listening definitely knows the name Rick Pitino for some reason. So he's, I mean, he's at St. John's. You have a really good roster over there at Providence. You just have all these teams that are going to be really good, and the league's going to be really competitive. I think the league is very high level this year. Yeah, and I forget which one because over ECB here, we've got those those uh, lists those guys do, like the College Basketball Report, and there's that other one that does all these crazy lists. And I think this last week they had the top 50 coaches in America, and they had Rick Pitino, like, 19th. There's no way in hell that anybody has any common sense thinks Rick Pitino is the 19th best coach in college basketball or whatever that is. Like, he is by far a top 7 to 10 coach, and he's always been that way. So we have those lists barred from our Facebook group, sharing on Twitter. <laughs> For that obvious reason, because they're absurd. But I can't wait to talk St. John's with you because there's a lot to love about the Johnnies this year. We're going to get into them. But that roster on paper, and then you throw in a Hall of Famer, Rick Pitino, 
I think I think the garden this year in that New York area, I think it's going to be popping this year. But let's start with the reigning defending national champions. Let's go to UConn. We've seen what they did in the tournament this last year. They ran through essentially everybody, based it off their incredible defense, their experience. They got hot shooting at the right time, size, toughness, everything that went into it. They lose a couple guys that played key roles in that national title last year. But you look at this roster coming back for uh, Coach Dan Hurley. Tristan Newton's back. Hassan Diara. Alex Caravan. You've got the sophomore Donovan Klingon, 7 7'2". Everybody knows him. I think he's going to be an important piece this year as his time to shine. He won't be playing a backup role this year. Um, and then the guys that they're bringing in just to add to that experience of a national title winning team. Solomon Ball. Five-star Stefan Castle. You got Jaden Ross, uh, and then you get to transfer in from Rutgers, the sharpshooter, Cam Spencer. This is a team, I kind of alluded to it, this is a team for the first time since Florida did it. I think this is a legitimate chance of going back-to-back. Your thoughts on UConn heading in this year as they defend their national championship? Yeah, I mean, this UConn team is a very high ceiling. Uh, I think Donovan Klingon is going to be a first-round pick in the next draft. Frankly, I think if you went out this year, you could have been a first-round pick. I'm very high on his talent. I think he's someone who could average like 18 and 12 next season. He is a dominant big man. I did not expect that when he came in out of, uh, he came in from like a really small high school last year. And it's like, usually those guys don't translate really well. He did. He's awesome. Bring back Caravan, bring back Tristan Newton. That's big. And Stefan Castle is a five-star, one of the better scorers in this class for sure. Very good at getting downhill, drawing fouls, doing all that sort of stuff. And that duo with Cam Spencer, who's someone who probably isn't the best at being like the guy on a team, but like when he's like the third option, he is so hard to stop. That's he just they everyone's gonna know their role. I think that's definitely something I'm really high on for this UConn team. Everyone knows who they are, they know their role, and coach really coaches defense. We know they're gonna defend. I think the one thing I'm looking for, and like one question I have is one Andre Jackson was like their leader. Who takes that leadership role? I'm assuming it Newton would be the guy I'd peg for it, but not certain yet. And I don't know who's going to be their number one option offensively. I think that's another thing I'm looking at. Is it Castle? Is a five-star ready to be, or the five-star freshman ready to be the guy on a team that could compete for a national title? I know Spencer, that was something Spencer really struggled with at Rutgers when Mulcahy and McConnell went down with injuries. He struggled to be the guy offensively, expecting that here. Is that something Tristan Newton's going to be? I think that's the main question I have with this team, but they're going to be very good. I think they're all top five to 10 in all like the projections early season. There's a reason for that. They're going to be a really good team. I think um, I want to see them play before I'm talking national titles because there are a couple other teams in other leagues that I really like to win natties, but they're going to be very good. They're going to be up there all season long. They're going to be ranked all season. And you are go- if you are going to follow college basketball, you're going to know about the UConn Huskies. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I think prior to the arrival of Cam Spencer, transfer from Rutgers, I think the one thing that I had concern about was the outside shooting. We've seen UConn last year when they started the year, whatever it was, 16-0, and 0, they were hitting a lot of threes. And then when they started losing early on in the Big East Conference, there from January until early February, they were taking the same amount they weren't hitting. And then at the end of the year, they got hot again. So I think I was worried about three-point shooting. Cam Spencer is going to help fix that. Tristan Newton has the ability to shoot the outside shot. I'm really curious on Donovan Klingon because we mentioned as a freshman last year, 7'2", 265 pounds. They were so big and physical, UConn was last year, that when he came in, 
he's going against tired bodies against the other team and was putting in work. Now I wonder, it is a big difference when you are coming off the bench to now you are the key focal point of opposing defenses as far as how to game plan around opposing centers. So how is he going to pl- or how is he going to fare when he's going from 20 minutes a game to 33, 35, however long they plan to play him, plus foul trouble and all that? I want to see how he handles being under the bright spotlight as the main guy that they have got to key in and focus in on. If he handles that well, that is a, obviously a huge thing for UConn. Tristan Newton, I think I think you're right. Being a grad senior, uh, he's been there enough. He's won a national title. I expect him to be in the vocal leadership kind of role, playing on the floor, the leader of that group. But the guy I think's got everybody excited, and you talked about him, is five-star Stefan Castle. You're talking about a 6'6 guard here, already 205 pounds, according to UConn's website. And this kid is a baller. He, he's a kind of kid that, as you mentioned, will get downhill, create for others, will finish at the rim. I want to see his outside shooting, kind of playing back off the Cam Spencer role. But if Stefan Castle is good and he presumably starts right away, I think we can see Connecticut get off to another hot start. And then you don't want to say cruise control because Big East yeah. is going to be tough. But I think if Stefan Castle is as good as we all think he's going to be, I don't see UConn falling outside the top 10 much at all this year. One thing about his game, too, I did like a whole thread. I really looked into him uh, just recently. Is He's a very good playmaker, too. He has very good vision for a guy of his size. He uses his height to really be able to see over the defense and set some guys up. And he's really a- he's able to get downhill and either use that to draw fouls and create for himself or really create for the guys around him, which is why I think him with uh, Cam Spencer is going to be special because you have an excellent driver, downhill driver, and an excellent shooter right there with him. I think that's a very good one-two punch for UConn. And you, when you have someone of the athleticism and the talent of Castle, it's just it's infectious. It makes everyone better, and especially with a good team. And I think that's really going to be the case with him this year. Best case scenario, worst case scenario. So meaning if everything clicks, the best case scenario for UConn this year is, and then if the ceiling and the bottom falls out completely, whatever happens, injuries, they don't connect, whatever, what's the worst case scenario for UConn this year? Kind of the ceiling and floor for UConn. I think if I'm talking ceiling, I think you could, I think reasonably you could say national title as like the very peak ceiling. I wouldn't say like they're not my pick to win at all, but like they could be there in the final four and you win two games, you're winning the title, just matchups in the tournament. Floor, I'd probably say you're like a borderline top 25 team. Let's say Donovan Klingon gets hurt. You don't really have a backup big. I think that's definitely something to worry about. Or just maybe no one can be the guy offensively and you're an inconsistent offensive team. You struggle a little bit on that end. I think there's a way they could be like a borderline top 25 team, but I still think they're going to be in the national conversation regardless. And last thing on UConn, now that he's won a national title and he's kind of got the monkey off his back, this year do we see a more relaxed Dan Hurley? <laughs> or is he back to his screaming, hollering, and hooting? You know, he kind of mellowed out. There were a couple times where he just kind of mellowed out. Like, in the tournament, he didn't really ever, like, go spaz mode. He was kind of, like, low-key a bit. So, I feel like there are definitely going to be some times, like, Jeff Anderson will get under his skin like he does everybody. That's just Mr. High Knees for you. But I feel like Dan Hurley kind of mellowed out. He's definitely – his brother Bobby's definitely the crazier of the two right yeah. now. But uh, Dan Hurley's definitely still going to have his moments of just going ape shit. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, he's got that old school mentality where it's like the screaming and red. Well, we joked about Italians, right? And I don't don't think Danny's Italian, but he's got that demeanor about him. So it's hilarious. And then to watch him mellow out, you're kind of like, what the hell's going on? Um, Let's move on to a team that I think is going to give UConn all they want more. 
They swept the Big East last year, both regular season and the Big East tournament crown. And I think they're primed to to have another good run. I don't want to say sweep again, but if you told me that they did, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's Marquette. This is a team that I've got pegged. We've still are ways out a couple months before we release our, our preseason top 25. But I've already got kind of my eye on Marquette and that top 10-ish range. I think if you look at this roster and the guys they bring back, they bring six of their top eight scorers back. Cam Jones is back. We've seen what the lefty can do. He is a microwave-type hot player when he gets rolling. Chase Ross is back. Stevie Mitchell. Tyler Colick. We know what the point guard can do. He's a triple-double waiting to happen. Oso Iguodaro's back. David Joplin. They've got a loaded roster, plus they bring in a couple of high-profile four-star kids, Trey Norman, Zayde Lowry, and then uh, a forward, Al Amadou. Don't know how much he'll play, but th- they've got talent. They, they'll they probably go 9-10 deep if, if Shaka wants to go that much. This is a very dangerous and good Marquette team. They had kind of whimpered out at the end of the year. They had this great year to go in the tournament as a two seed, get knocked out in the second round by Michigan State. So how are you feeling about Marquette? Because on paper, looks like the Golden Eagles are going to be really special this year. I feel like when these teams return just about everybody, we either just completely forget about them or way overhype them. And there is never an in-between. <clears throat> North Carolina like- last year. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And with Marquette, we just kind of like forgot. It's just like, yeah, they lost in the second round. All right, they're done. It's like, no, they bring back just about everybody. Omax Prosper ends up going pro. I Was he a first-round pick? He was somewhere around that range. Uh, I'd, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I think he was in the 30s at some point, somewhere in that 27 to, like, 35 range. Uh, but, like, you lose Omax, but other than that, you bring back everybody. Tyler Kolek was probably the best setup man in almost all of college basketball last season. The only guy you can put up there is Dewan Harris with him. Uh, he is that good. Cam Jones is an excellent scorer. They defended really well, and they used Oso really well as that, like almost like like a point five, a point center. He was Spread really good floor. in that role, and he was Spread. really like it was really tough to defend, especially in college when there are a lot of bigs who are just like that standard like big, like I'm gonna beat you inside, like a Donovan Klingon. You have an Oso who can pull guys out and just either attack them off the bounce or really just kind of mess with you a little bit. They were really good offensively. They were really creative. Shaka's a really good coach when he's able to run his stuff. At Texas, they made they wanted Shaka, but they wanted Shaka to be their like guy who was getting only five-star recruits doing this. And it just didn't work. When Shaka's being Shaka, he's a very good coach. And I think at a program like Marquette, they've really embraced that. You've got just legit talent. You return just about everybody. I feel like people are forgetting about this Marquette team. I They're my pick to win the Big East as of right now. I just think they're very good. I think they're going to be solid. I think there's an argument to say they've already hit their ceiling. I don't know if they have the high ceiling that UConn does, but I think there's a really high floor with this Marquette team. I completely agree 100%. Like I mentioned, I've got them pegged. They're going to be top 10 in my ballot for a preseason top 25. Just I got to figure out placement. And um, Omax Prosper went round one pick 24. Looks like he's with the Dallas Mavericks. So, But, no, you brought up a great point in the style of play. We know Shaka, how great he was at VCU. And it is very similar to this uh, Marquette team. A lot of long athletic guys, versatility, spread the floor. You mentioned the five-out basketball when you bring in Oso Iguodaro that can kind of play a point forward. They like to run a lot of back cuts, a lot of slips, and you're either getting layups and threes from this Marquette team, and it makes it very hard to guard because nobody is stationary, so it's very hard to scout against. Um, 
I am with you 100%, though. I love this Marquette team. And we joked about North Carolina bringing back last season a lot of guys that made the uh, national title game. But I think there is something different about Marquette this year because Tyler Collick's really good. Like, he's really good. But he, I don't think there is that – and I'm trying to be nice here, but we've buried Caleb Love enough. There's not a Caleb Love type where it is super talented – high-end prospect kind of guy on this Marquette team, but is also kind of a quote-unquote cancer in the locker room that'll break up team chemistry. I feel like Marquette is a connected bunch of group of talent and the style in which they play, they're going to put up numbers. I think defensively is where they can get hurt a little bit. When you play in Michigan State that is super ultra-physical, I think that's where they can get hurt. If they can shore up the defensive end and start creating turnovers for easy runouts – I think Marquette could be a Final Four team. I, I think that what they do could be like we thought last year with Creighton that took them a little while, ultimately got them to the lead eight. And I think Marquette is in that same realm of style of play. You think I'm off base on that, or do you agree no, with that? I think that's very fair. Uh, when I look at that UNC team just from the season ago, it's like, yeah, they were a bubble team up until like two weeks before like the tournament. Then it's like, all right, they're definitely in. But like they still weren't great to like, during the regular season, they weren't particularly consistent. And then they just go on this incredible run in the tournament. Like, I think that's where they got overprojected. With this Marquette team, it was the exact opposite. They were awesome during the regular season, and they have a bad matchup against Michigan State, and people just forget about them because of that because Michigan State was able to move them. I think you could definitely make an argument that people – that this – you could find the recipe to beat Marquette and how just – how to annoy them, whatever you got to do, just be more physical. You have, like, the length up front that maybe they don't have with Kolek and Jones being smaller – with their other guys definitely being bigger. But uh, I think there's definitely an argument to say, like, yeah, maybe you found, like, how you beat this Marquette team, but I think they're just going to get better. I think they're good. And all these guys, keep in mind, when they were – all these guys, they return, none of them are seniors now. They're all juniors. So they're still getting better. They haven't, like, reached their ceilings as athletes yet. I think that's one thing we really have to note with this Marquette team. They're still getting better. They're getting – they're used to each other, which means they're going to be better defensively. When you know where every – other guys are defensively. That helps so much. Just knowing the tendencies of everyone on your team, you know, all right, if this guy gets by me, I got Oso right behind me or all right, Tyler Kolek's pressuring up front. I know how to defend off that, whatever. Just so much of defense is just gelling together and they're going to have gelled together. So I think you could, I think there's definitely arguments that the Marquette team is going to cause problems. They're a team that could make a final four and they are, I don't think shot. Actually, I shouldn't say that. We don't know the matchup yet, but uh, I think this team can make a huge run. Yeah, and I'm with you. Um, over under three triple doubles for Tyler Collick this year. Give me the over. Uh, give me the over. Yeah, I, I think I think that he could have a very special year. Naismith Player of the Year type type of year, especially if Marquette is as good as we think they are. Um, let's keep moving on in the Big East here. Let's go to a, a Creighton team that they do bring back a lot, a a lot, a, but they do also lose two very crucial pieces in Ryan Nimhard, who went to where his brother played at. He's at Gonzaga now and Arthur Columa is playing for Kansas state, but you look what they bring back. Baylor Shireman's back. We know what this kid's about. Sharpshooter dig down and rebounds. I actually think he let him. I don't have stats from me. I think he let him in rebounding last year. Trey Alexander at the guard, Ryan Kalkbrenner's back for another year to block shots at the rim. Francisco Farabello's sharpshooter from outside that they desperately need. The big man, Frederick King, had a good freshman year spelling Colt Brenner off the bench, physical at 6'10". Uh, and then some guys who 
kind of rotation pieces, didn't really play much, and Mason Miller and Jason Green. Newcomers that they're bringing in, they bring in Jonathan Lawson, transfer from Memphis. See what kind of production he gives. Steven Ashworth, I think, is their biggest transfer that they got, the 6'1 guard coming in from Utah State. But you look at Creighton, who made the Elite Eight last year, and we talked about a lot, especially as the year kind of waned on and we got closer to the tournament time. Their their rotation depth was not there. They essentially played seven guys. You look at the roster this year, I don't see how they're going to play more than seven again this year. You know Shireman, Alexander, Kalkbrenner, Farabello, Frederick Kings, they're all locked in to get a lot of minutes. And then I think they're going to probably rely on some of these newcomers, Jonathan Lawson and Stephen Ashworth and Isaac Trout from uh, Virginia, big man. But I think that they're going to be extremely talented and deep as far as experience goes, but they're not going to be very rotational depth, which could obviously we know injuries play a factor or bad play fouls inside of a game. So what's your thoughts on Creighton? Because their top five, top six are really good. But, man, there's some holes there once you get past that. Yep. I think they're going to be fairly similar to the team last year. Uh, when you look at who they lose versus who they bring in, you bring in a Stephen Ashworth, who is one of the most efficient offensive players in the country. He was very good for that Utah State team. Uh, he is probably the best shooter currently in maybe even the country, and I don't think that's an overstatement. Uh, you have a guy like Barris Ironman who also, like Kolek, is going to be a walking triple-double. He can go for a triple-double any night. He's a great playmaker, great shooter, and as you said, he led this team in rebounds. He averaged over eight rebounds a game last year as a, I think he's 6'6". Six, 6'7". Six, six, seven. Six, six, seven. Seven. Yeah. Yep. Like, that's that's crazy. He's awesome. And you bring in a trail, you keep a trail, Alexander, he doesn't go, end up going pro. He was one of those guys where, like, your decision is very 50-50. Like, you, it could have gone either way. He decides to return. You know that NIL back better be good. But he's going to have a legit role on this team. Uh, when I look like Trey Alexander, he's a guy who can score at all three levels. He's probably going to be your leader offensively. He's a guy who can create for himself and others. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned it with the depth. Um, when Kalkbrenner went out last year, they just weren't the same team. Like, that's no disrespect to Fred King. It's just Kalkbrenner was awesome inside. He's just what he does defensively, being able to defend multiple guys, being able to wall up really well defensively. He doesn't draw a ton of fouls, but he blocks and alters so many shots. Fred King just, that's a lot of expectation. And then a lot of their offense really runs through him. His ability to set screens, roll to the basket, be a threat from anywhere in that like lane area. Just so much of that is so like special for him. And aside from Ashworth, who was like the guy for Utah State, and I think, almost can replicate Nemhard offensively. Not almost, not everything. He's a better shooter, but probably not the best setup man compared to Nemhard. Uh, but other than that, none of these guys are true point guards. So what do you do when he's on the bench is Farabello. Farabello is more of like a combo guard, more of a two in my mind. Farabello to, to me is a catch and shoot guy yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Like if you give him space, he's going to knock down the three nine out of 10 times it feels like. But I don't know if he's a guy that will initiate his own shot. I think Creighton's going to be a team that's going to be really like beautiful to watch offensively. If you follow like all those like basketball set accounts, there are going to be so many of those with Creighton just executed perfectly. Their their offense is going to be just a thing of beauty. They might have their offense might be the best overall unit in the Big East. Just I don't know how good they're going to be defensively. Like Ashworth is small and isn't the quickest guy out there. Alexander probably can defend multiple positions. Same with Kalkbrenner, but. I don't think like a Trout or like a Lawson is the same defensively that a Kaluma was. I think they're going to struggle a little bit on that end. But uh, offensively, I, I think they're going to be special. I, I worry about Creighton, not only their depth, because we've kind of covered that, but you mentioned the point guard. 
Ashford's is phenomenal. If you ever watched him in his four years or a couple years at Utah State, you'll you'll see it on the film. It pops out at you. But Nimhard pushed the pace, and he was always in the right spot at the right time for a strip and rip to lead to a fast break and hitting an open jump shot or going to create something late in the shot clock. I worry about their pace in which they want to play, get up and down the floor, along with the the depth end of it. I, I do have questions. I wonder if this year, because there's no Nimhard, there's no Kaluma, if Shireman won't be leaned on more like he was at his previous stop to go get them more points. If he isn't asked to maybe try to be a 20, 22-point scorer per night now to make up for some of that that missing link, at least until an Ashworth or somebody else gets further along and kind of integrated into this offense. So I think early on that first month, month and a half of Creighton's going to be interesting to see how they play and adapt leading into Big East play. I think Nemhard was one of the most underrated players almost nationally last season. Uh, he was very good. And a lot of the things he did weren't like his numbers didn't jump off the page, but like he was just so solid as a leader. He made sure guys were in the right spots. He, when they needed to run, he ran. When they needed to slow the game down, he was able to do that. When they needed a bucket, they went to him. Like he scored, I think it was 38, something, something ridiculous in their uh, tournament game against NC State. Or was it Baylor? I think it was Baylor when he went off. And that – that, I mean, that was a good Baylor team. That was a good Baylor team with three incredible guards. And he was like, I don't care. I'm the best guy on this floor today. And he was. Like, Keontae George was a first-round pick. Adam Flagler was a legit guy for four years in college. Didn't matter. That was Ryan Nemhard's game. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the country. And I think Ashworth can replicate just every, almost everything offensively. He's a better shooter, and he's a very smart lead guard. But at the same time, you're right. He's not going to play at that fast pace. You have to slow it down a little bit. He's not the best athlete out there. But what, he's a very smart basketball player. I think Nemhard is too. Nemhard doesn't get nearly enough credit for that. But Ashworth is going to be very solid. He'll be a very solid lead guard. But at the same time, you can't expect him to have those 38-point outbursts that Nemhard did. He's not that kind of guy. You're going to need more of those big games from a Trey Alexander or from a Baylor Shireman, as you mentioned, to take them to that next level. I do wonder, because you look at the roster, um, this is a big Creighton team. The smallest guy listed that's going to get primary playing time minutes is Ashworth at 6'1". They go 6'7", 6'4", 7'1", 6'3", 6'10", 6'9", 6'7", 6'10", 6'2", 6'6", 6'6", 6'1", and 6'10", with Isaac Trout. So what that leads me to is I wonder if early on, if their man-to-man is not particularly great without Nimhard and Kaluma putting pressure on the ball and off the ball, they've got a perfect roster to go zone. Whether they will or not, is yet to be seen, but with that length and athleticism, I mean, you you could put a pretty nasty zone out there and cover a lot of ground with how big and long these guys are. Because Shireman's six seven, and he's got like a wingspan. It feels like of seven five. That's a good shout. I had actually never thought about that. Yeah, I think that's a very good shout. I think the worry would definitely be a guy like Ashworth if he can just get you can shoot over him or you can easily make that pass to the high post just over that. But even then, you have a guy like Ryan Kalkbrenner who can defend in that space really well, and it's not going to be easy to get those like high-low sets from the 2-3. I think that's a good shout. I think that's something I haven't thought about that. That's a very good point. Well, and even Kalkbrenner, they could switch to if he gets in foul trouble, which he – he doesn't get in a lot of it, but he he's prone to it, being yeah. a 7-1 phone for shot fakes, being a shot blocker. Um, Let's move on. We talked about the Johnnies a little bit. Dude, I am so excited to watch this. It, already in year one, coming up, he basically got rid of everybody, kept two guys. 
and now we're talking about he being Rick Pitino pronouns, pal. <laughs> he kept center Joel uh, Joel Soriano, six eleven senior, big brother down inside, and then forward Dresa Traore, six eight athletic forward, and then the guys they bring in. This is a very Rick Pitino esque roster, and they flipped it just like that. From the Johnnies went from being they they had their moments over the last couple of years to this year. I think, man. New York City's basketball is about to be rocking again with Coach Patino. They bring in Naheem Malin, grad, grad transfer from UConn, national champion. Sean Conway coming in from VMI, 6'5 guard, can go get his own. Cruz Davis from my own. Actually, he brings in, what, three dudes from my own at his previous stop. Cruz Davis, a guard. He brings in forward Sadiku Ibina Io. That's a mouthful. And then the, the primary one from my own up. Dennis Jenkins, 6'4 guard that we've seen over the last couple of years under Coach Rick Pitino, what he's able to do, along with guard uh, RJ Luis, 6'7 from UMass. Uh, and then the big, big one, they bring in a couple good freshmen, but the fact that they went to North Carolina and ripped this kid away from the Tar Heels, five-star Simeon Wilcher, and is an electric, explosive guard. It is New York City tough. This is like pitcher-perfect scenario. I would imagine this year, I'm sure Patino is probably going to pull his hair to a couple times with some of the plays he tries to make, but you talking about electric player in the garden where Patino's wanting to play a lot of St. John's home games at in the big apple, Simeon Wilcher fits this culture perfectly. I, and then forgot to even mention the Kansas forward transfer, Zuby Edgefor. He's got that experience playing defense, being a rim protector, yada, yada, yada. St. John's, it feels like overnight went from a team that, was brutal to watch at times to a team. I don't feel like you can miss any of their games this year. How are you feeling about the red storm this year? And the fact that it seems like Johnny basketball is back and New York city basketball is back. Oh, they're going to be so exciting. This is going to be such a fun team to watch. You have so many offensive weapons. Like you mentioned, Joel Soriano is a walking double, double. He might've led the country in double doubles last year. I don't have that number off the top of my head. I know he was up there for almost all season. Uh, and you didn't even mention Jordan Dingle, who they bring in out of pen. Good point, he is special. He is someone who I think could legitimately make a case to be a first-team All-Big East guy. He, I mean, his talent at a pen, he's very good at all three levels. Usually with these Ivy League guys, you don't, you bring them over, but they're not like incredible athletes. Jordan Dingle can jump out of the gym. I can tell you, he can jump out of the gym. He's a good shooter, not a great shooter, but he's really good at creating his own bucket. He averaged over 20 points a game last year. He was, we saw the run Princeton made in the tournament. He was probably the best player in the Ivy League, just period, last year. He's that good. Same with Chris Ledlam. You bring him over from the Ivy League, one of the best three to four guys in that conference. Um, oh, yeah, I, forgot really to even mi- I apologize. I forgot to mention Ledlam. Completely forgot. You're absolutely right. Their roster's so talented. There's so many guys. You have to throw out name here, name there, that you just naturally you're going to forget one or two. I think that's – which is one of the worries I have with this team. Uh, I know there are some concerns with if Dennis Jenkins is going to be eligible from day one because he does have to graduate from Iona because he was a JUCO transfer. Uh, they've, uh, from all indications he is going to, but it's still something to watch out for just in case. Uh, but even then, like there's still so much talent on this team. You have a couple wings, definitely some guys were promised some legit minutes. Like you look at a Glenn Taylor and RJ Luis. These were guys who were probably expecting to start. Now you bring in Ledlam. It's like, all right, these guys aren't starting, but will they play enough of a role to be happy or will they want to leave again? Who knows there? I think that's definitely one of the concerns, but you have one of the best basketball coaches in the country. And you mentioned Sim Wilcher. He is a New York city tough scoring guard he is someone who is so fun to watch 
Good setup, man. Not a great setup, man, but a great score. He gets downhill. He is not afraid of anyone. He scores at all three levels really well. I saw a lot that his jump shot's, like, improving or whatever. We can just say he's a good shooter. He like yeah. the, the thing on New York City guards has always been, yeah, they're not great shooters. Like, you look at a Mark Jackson. Wasn't the best shooter, but Sim Wiltshire can shoot the ball. He just can. He is a very good shooter. He will score at all three levels. He is tough. He definitely makes some plays where it's like, all right, where you will be like, oh, my God. But at the same time, he will force it where it's like, all right, Sim, like calm down. The big play isn't there every time. But uh, he's special. He's someone who is going to get acclimated to the Big East quickly. And he even then, he's probably like their fourth option offensively. Like you're looking at a Jordan Dingle. You're looking at a Joel Soriano, a Danis Jenkins, a Ledlum, uh, Luis, Taylor, whoever. They have so many options, so many different guys that w- one night it could be Dingle's day. One night it could be um, Sim Wilcher's day. One night it could be Danis Jenkins' night. This RJ Luis could be the guy. They have so many guys, so many weapons that – this team should be fun to watch. And that's a sign of a good team is when night in and night out, you've got a new guy stepping up. I mean, for instance, transition other sports, you know, the Cincinnati Reds are my team in baseball and every night it's just somebody new. You know what? Looking at the, let me ask you something on Simeon Wiltshire because Patino, he's different with freshmen, especially star freshmen. He definitely plays them and plays them a lot of minutes, but sometimes they have to earn their starting right with him. So do you foresee Wiltshire being in the starting lineup from the first night or is it something that as time progresses and he proves himself more he earns the starting role um how, how do you foresee Simeon playing as far as rotation minutes early I if assuming Danis Jenkins is eligible which by all indications he will be but it's still something I'm looking out for I mentioned it once again I'm gonna mention it again I think he will come off the bench I think because I don't know if you want to run the three guards with Danis Jenkins uh Jordan Dingle and Sim Wilcher. There would be like three guys similar height. I think you'd want to run him off the bench. And I think he'd be really good in that spark plug role. Uh, he will play. He will definitely play minutes. But I feel like he's more of a spark plug at this current moment than a guy who I'm expecting to play 35 minutes a game and be your leader, especially on this team. You don't need him to be that. I think they'll ease him into the role. He'll get really comfortable at this level. And then he could elevate and maybe even end up starting towards the end of the year. But I feel like with a guy like him, I think you wait a little bit. I think he'll come off the bench to start, and I think he'll really ease into the game. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I was leading to. I was curious yeah. to your thoughts because that's just how Patino is. I think he wants his star guys to prove themselves in the big stage, big moment. The last thing on St. John's that's sticking out to me as we talk about him and look at this roster I think Patino's got it set up because if you remember Rick Patino, his really great teams, you go back to Kentucky in the early mid-90s, you look at Louisville winning the national championship and leading up to that going to the Final Fours. Even a little bit at Iona, he didn't really have the players to do it. But this lineup, it's not as far as big man depth outside of Soriano and maybe a Zuby Edgefor, but he's more of an athletic big. This is a lineup that's going to press, I think. I think Rick's going to go back to his roots, and they're going to do a lot of pressing at St. John's. Look at all the guards and wings that we've talked about. It's set up to be a small ball around Soriano, and when he's out, you know, even smaller, which makes it better. But he's got a lot of guards and wings that are athletic and can get up and down the floor. I think think you're going to see St. John's press more than they have maybe ever or at least in a long, long time. I think this is what this roster is set up for. 
Well, Mike Anderson last year in the hat, like that, they were 94 minutes, uh, 94 feet of hell. Like they were just 40 minutes of hell, 94 feet, whatever you want to call it. It was 40 minutes. I just misspoke, but I'm acting like that's like how normal people say it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, they ran that press system, but it's New York city, man. You play that New York city, tough defense. You make guys work every minute. And when you have the depth that they do, you can put a pace on teams. You can wear them down late. Just do all that. I think they are going to, I think they're still going to press. I don't see why they wouldn't. It just makes sense to really wear down teams. And if you like, great. All right. Let's say, great. You get up the court. You beat Dana Jenkins off the bounce. You beat Jordan Dingle, whoever. Joel Soriano is that last line of defense. He's not going to be easy to score on. He's still a physically imposing presence. He's going to make you work. And a guy like Zuby, he can defend multiple positions. That's another thing that's going to work in their favor in this press. So I do agree. I think they press. I think they're going to impose their will on you and make you if you want to beat St. John's, you are going to have to beat them at their own game. You're not going to beat St. John's playing your style. St. John's is going to impose a style on you, and they're going to play that really physical, tough style that New York City is known for. Well, here's the thing about Patino. He, he's, his Kentucky players and Louisville players alike have both said it. In practice, he teaches, and I know the rules have changed, but in practice, he teaches in the press to get your hands up in them, guide them to where you want to go, and if they call the fouls, fine. They're not going to call every foul. And so they may call one out of five. So who cares? He's going to rotate in and it's going to wear you down physically even more. I think they're going to keep an eye on that this year, because I think if he continues that pattern, you're going to see St. John's guards be super physical in this press. And it's going to mentally and physically frustrate the opponents. I I think, I think what's your opinion ceiling floor for the Johnnies? Everything goes right. Everything goes wrong. I think this team is a pretty wide range of outcomes because so much of defense is just knowing guys. That's one of the things I truly believe. And these are all guys. These This is an entirely new team. I think the ceiling, I'm looking at a team that could probably be around that top 15 to 20 range. And then the floor is probably like a, a safely in the tournament team, sort of like that 8-9 game where like you probably are ranked at some points in the season, but for the most part you're not. But you're in the tournament and maybe you can win that first game and maybe give a shot to a one seed, but probably not. I think that's probably their floor. Yeah, I'm with you. And the, the one concern I have about St. John's right now with this roster is outside shooting. I'm yeah. going to keep repeating that because that's the way college basketball and basketball in general is going. I do worry night in, night out where the three-point shooting is going to come from. Yep. If they can get that figured out, I think I think St. John's are well on their way to being a tournament team. Hey, let's start um, – Let's start doing rapid fire here a little bit. Let's go to Villanova. We haven't mentioned them. You know, second year under uh, – I, I just went blank on their head coach's name. Tom Neptun. Thank you. I just went blank. His second year in charge, uh, you know, injuries kind of stifled them last year. They, they had their moments, but really not a great year for Villanova under a new regime. But this year they bring back Eric Dixon's back, Justin Moore, Mark Armstrong's back, Trey Patterson – Nana Njoku, Brendan Housen. They bring back some guys. And then the guys they bring in are very interesting because they get in the transfer Hakeem Hart from Maryland, which we know he can go get his own. Tyler Burton is very interesting from Richmond. Uh, he, he's been really good there. Another guy that can kind of go get his own. Kentucky transfer Lance Ware. I worry about him, his playing time here, the way Villanova likes to play. But if he does play, he's a physical guy, screener, not a scorer outside of a lob dunk here and there. But he's going to be there for rebound, defense, toughness. And then T.J. Bamba coming over from Washington State to be in the backcourt. When you look at Villanova this year, how much do you think they can improve with the roster that we know as of now? Bringing a couple good new guys, a couple experienced guys back, but 
ultimately, do you think it's enough to get them back in the tournament? Definitely. I think this is a borderline top 25 team. I think I would have them in the top 25 to start the season. I'm very high on Tyler Burton. I think when he was at Richmond, I think in like year two, year three, I remember thinking, okay, this guy could play in the NBA. He is good everywhere. He is going to be a physical four. And what this Nova team is going to be different from last year's because they have a ton of wings. They have like three, four, five wings that can throw on you in any game. And I feel like they're going to be really switchable defensively. You have like the standard point guards, like a Mark Armstrong is going to play point. But like you look at a guys like Justin Moore, TJ Bamba, Tyler Burton, who I just mentioned, Hakeem Hart, same thing. Those are all guys who are going to be very switchable on the wings. They're going to be able to switch you defensively. And I feel like they're going to play that more so like, yeah, we got just wings. We're just going to be play that positionless basketball stuff. And I think that's really what Neptune wants his identity to be at Villanova. I know people were all like, yeah, we want him to play like Jay Wright. And sure, he could. Uh, he, he knows that style of basketball. But Neptune has been very, at least in the moves he's made, and like behind the scenes, he's made it pretty clear that he wants to play that more positionless basketball style. He wants to have more wings, more wings, guys like that. And you can see it in the guys he's recruiting too. So this is, it's going to be a different style for Villanova. They're going to be a little different than the team we know uh, that really like slow pace ton of threes like very smart in that sense they're going to be more free-flowing than they were the last couple of years very switchable defensively but this is a team i'm very high on they're very talented they have guys who can play who did defend multiple positions they have guys who can do multiple things on a basketball court i'm very high on this villanova team yeah and i think that's a great point positionless basketball because they don't have a true out and out center yep. uh, everything is yep. a guard forward from ranging from six two to six nine and they all kind of play similar style so it's going to be very interesting to see how much of a five-out motion offense sw- swapping. No real primary ball handler kind of per se. A lot of cutting and moving, I would imagine. Um, it's going to be interesting. I want to see their pace too. Because normally I think when you think of um, positionless basketball teams, five-out, is that they put up a lot of numbers on offense and they're fast and they want to do all this extrinsic or um, intricate stuff on the offensive end. It's going to be interesting to see where their points per game ranges because I don't know. Like I'm, you've got guys who can go score. Like Justin Moore can go score. Mark Armstrong can go score. But this doesn't pop out to me like we were talking about with a Marquette team that could average eighty a game. I don't know if Villanova can average eighty a game yeah. just on paper. But the other thing that stands out to me is the experience. According to the the roster I have here in front of me through the research and all that, they don't have a freshman. They've got six seniors, three juniors, two sophomores, a very experienced older group. So it's going to be interesting to see how the experience plays out. But I'm with you, dude. I love Tyler Burton pickup. Hakeem Hart was really good in stretches for Maryland. And I think the guy to keep an eye out on is TJ Bamba. 6'5 guard, played a lot at Washington State, had his moments, but I think a change of environment could bring the best out of him. Um, I think Bamba is due for a couple big nights in the Big East this year. I think he could be a very good surprise addition for Villanova. 100%. Bamba's a, I mean, he's a really high-level scorer. He's someone who's going to get his own, and I feel like he'll really fit this Villanova system. Uh, one thing, though, Villanova does bring in a freshman, Jordan Dumont. He's not expected to do much. He played for Canada in the U19 games. Uh, he's six eight wing. He's probably not going to play a ton. Like, I feel like he's a guy who's going who you could even think he could redshirt just because he's going to be behind all these guys like a TJ Bomba, like a Hakeem Hart, like all these guys we've mentioned. I feel like maybe he'll play like spot minutes, but uh, yeah, other than that, I, I agree with literally everything you said, 
Yeah, and I need to get him added. They didn't have him on their official website and a couple other sites I checked, so I, I have to go back and add him. Um, I appreciate that. Um, let, let's do a couple. Let's do a couple more here. Um, Xavier, I'm curious on your thoughts on Xavier. You know, they were good last year, kind of faltered there at the end, but Fremantle being back is going to be huge for them. It, the Jerome Hunter situation. I know he's out indefinitely right now with the medical issue. Let's hope he can come back because he can be a contributor inside. Desmond Claude's back. Cam Craft, really good guard, our forward back, guard forward, however you want to look at him. And then whatever, I mean, bringing in new guys, nothing really stands out. But I do have to give a shout out to, you know, we're friends with um, with uh, Rice's head coach. And we talked to him when we did an exclusive interview a couple months ago with him about his best player, Quincy Oliveri, transferring to Xavier. Quincy's a dude that can go get points now. He, he played on a decent Rice team. He, I think he could step in and be a big-time shot maker for Xavier and Sean Miller. Plus, you add Davian McKnight, the grad transfer from Western Kentucky. But really, man, when I look at this roster, I mean, I know Sean Miller is a, a miracle worker most times, but I worry about them scoring. Like I, I worry about them scoring in shootout type games than Big East on a, like a Big East Tuesday night or Big Monday, man, I, if you get in a shootout with like a Marquette or Creighton, I don't know where they're going to get the points at because they lost a lot from a really good team last year. I think of the last few teams we talked about, I think almost all of them are like guaranteed tournament teams. I do not think that was Xavier. I think Xavier is a team that should make the tournament, but I wouldn't say like a lock by any means. Uh, Zach Fremantle is going to be your offensive leader. Jerome Hunter, we don't know the exact details in the situation. I would, I'm, I hope he's back whenever he can. Um, but his health is the most important thing. It's very, all that, those injuries are very scary. But like when I'm looking at it, it's like these guys they bring in, they're good. But like Davion McKnight, is he a Big East point guard? I'm not sure. Uh, he played for point guard under Rick Stansbury. And one thing about Rick Stansbury teams were they weren't, they never performed to their expectations. No. Never. Never. So I don't know if what I'm expecting out of Davion McKnight. Xavier's a team I definitely want to research a little more. I want to dig into like these guys and the way they play. I can like I, I just feel like there's so many questions with this team. I'm really high on Abu Usmane, who they bring in from North Texas. I think I could make an argument that he's their best big man just because what he's going to do defensively. I think it's so, so vital to this team. They, Xavier was awful defensively last year. They were atrocious. He is someone who brought in and he's going to fix at least a little bit of that inside defense. I think he's really someone who's going to help there. But like Oliveri, I think it's someone who we're probably is Xavier's second leading scorer in this season. I think Freeman will be the one. Oliveri's probably the two. Uh, I don't know if he's ready for that role in the Big East. I mean, from all accounts, he is. Very good shooter, someone who can do all that. And with the well, freshman. Co- co- Coach Para, and by the way, I, I don't know yeah. why I'm going brain dead tonight. I can't think of anybody's name. But Coach Para, shout out to Coach Scott Para, head coach of Rice, our friend. Um, he, he speaks very highly of Quincy. We'll, again, go back to the episode when we had him on. He talks about the transfer actually helping him arrive to Xavier when he realized he was wanting to move up. Um, He speaks very highly of him and thinks he's going to have a big impact for Xavier this year. So if he speaks highly of him and he's had him for four years, I trust his word. So I I expect Quincy to be one of the top point per get or point per night getters for the Xavier team. But again, I still worry about him scoring as a whole. I think he's their second leading scorer. Then I look at the third. It's like, I feel like those two are more or less set in like the ways Fremantle, Oliver, are going to be one, two. Is it McKnight? I'm not sure. Is it going to be, maybe Desmond Claude takes a jump. Maybe that happens. Maybe Trey Green, their top 70-ish 
point guard they bring in, maybe he's the guy who takes that offensive jump. Um, I don't know. There are definitely some worries with this team. And then defensively, too, they were awful last year. And some of Sean Miller's Arizona team, some of their flaws were that they just didn't defend. Like the team with DeAndre Ayton, that team was high, high level. But, like, they got beat defensively in games. Uh, they were just a couple times where it's just like, I, I don't know if these teams can defend. And they were bad defensively last year. So if they're not, like, I think they were, like, a top 10 offense last year. Their defense just wasn't bad. It was, like, towards the 100 range. If that's the yeah. case this year, they're not going to be a top 10 offense. Maybe they're a top 30 offense. And 30 offense, 100 defense, that's a borderline tournament team. So uh, they're definitely a team I want to dig into a little more. I, I think there's definitely a lot more to learn for this Xavier team. There's definitely – I they bring in so many new guys that it's, it's going to be a very different team than last year. And uh, I – I think I need to dig into a little more. I think if I'm going to do my job well, I need to learn a little more about this team. Yeah, and I worry, man, If especially if Jerome Hunter does not get a play for the medical reasons. I think they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, they, they, I mean, they bring in Logan Duncan, the kid from uh, Indiana that played in Indiana, but he didn't really play. He's a junior. I, I don't know if he logged in his couple years at IU, logged more than six minutes per year, or not six minutes, six games per year. So how much help will he have or be able to add to Xavier? I, I worry about Xavier this year. And, you know, they could prove us wrong that there's that opportunity. But I do want to ask, over under 12 losses for him? I'm going to say over. Uh, I think they, they've got a decent non-conference schedule, and the Big East is going to be a beast. I think uh, – I mean, what? Maybe they go 12 and 8 in Big East play. I'm expecting them to lose four games. They have a tough non conference schedule. I, I'm going to say over. Yeah. I, I, no offense to the Musketeer fans that are listening to us, but yeah. I, I think they're an NIT team this year. Just mm-hmm. keeping it real. Um, let's go to the very two interesting ones that's the coaching drama and all that. Let's start with Georgetown real quick, a team that you know very well. Yep. Um, you know, new head coach Ed Cooley coming over, revamps the roster from a team that the last couple of years has been pretty miserable. Two years removed from not winning a single game inside the Big East. What they win last year? Two, I think. One, yeah, two. Big two. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. So, hey, they doubled their win total from the year prior, so it's going up. But, you know, Ed Cooley obviously is a great hire for Georgetown. He fits the culture. We'll get things turned around. I firmly believe that. But brings back Jay Heath, Akakakak, uh, Wayne Bristol Jr., and Ryan Matumbo. And then the guys who bring he's bringing with him and bringing in are the, the real interesting pieces. You know, Drew Felder, uh, Drew, uh, yeah, Drew Felder, Drew McKenna, you know, Supreme Cook coming over from Fairfield, I think is a big deal. The biggest one to me is Ismail Masood from Kansas State. We seen last year when K-State had a great year, made it to the Sweet 16. He hit massive shots in that Kentucky game in the second round. That's going to be a big piece because he has the ability at 6'9 to, you can post him up. You can slip him and use him as a decoy, and he can step out and hit the three. I think getting Ishmael is massive for Coach Cooley. Rowan Brumbaugh coming over from Texas. Jaden Epps from Illinois. We've seen at his peak at Illinois, he is an electric guard. And then you bring over Dontrell Styles, a 6'6 forward from North Carolina. This is a better roster, in my opinion, than what Georgetown's had in the last couple of years. But do you think it is a tournament-worthy roster on paper? I'm, I think this is an NIT team. I think this is a team that can make the tournament. I wouldn't say they have a 0% chance to, but I currently I think this is an NIT team. Uh, Jaden Epps is a guy I'm very high on. I think he is someone who could average like 15 points a game. I really like his game. What he, Some of the things he did like uh, against Virginia for that Illinois team. And 
Brad Underwood's a guy who doesn't really develop guards very well. Like Io didn't get much better from the guy we saw in his second season. He didn't take Io to a Sweet 16. I think Jaden Epps is a guy who is really talented. There were not 70 guys better in that high school class than Jaden Epps. Rowan Brumbaugh is another guy who has really shined in like the Kenner League, which is Georgetown's little like uh, offseason league that's done there. Um, he's someone who was at Texas last year. He redshirted, but like when you're in the gym every single day against Marcus Carr, against Sergio Barry Rice, against all these guards that Texas team had, a team that ends up getting a two seed, ends up making an Elite Eight, and should have made a Final Four if they just made plays down the stretch. Um, you are going to get better every single day. You are going to get better because those guys are going to push you. And I think Brumbaugh has been pushed and looks excellent. He's someone who I think will really surprise people. I think you look at those two, those guys are very good. Um, the worry currently, and this is definitely going to age this episode, so I'm sorry, but uh, there's a certain <laughs> Big 12 team that is definitely snooping around one Georgetown transfer, uh, one potential Georgetown transfer guy. Uh, Cook Cook is the guy they're definitely looking at. Uh, I don't want to say any names, but West Virginia, you better back off. Uh, he's ours. <laughs> um, I, Cook Cook's a guy who I think this team really needs. Uh, I hold think on, it's, time out. It, it's, I, I know it's a Cook Cook, but dude, it's so much better if we say it a Cock Cock. <laughs> he's my guy. I say his name all the time. You can say whatever. I say his name all the time. I got to treat him right. You know, that's my guy. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just ribbing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh that's definitely a key i think a cook a cook someone who in the big east this year there's so many dominant bigs if you can run a guy like a cook cook at the five he will stretch you out and he's someone who can block shots can be that guy inside not that dominant rebounder that a cling in a call runner whoever's going to be but if he can stretch you out you can zag where everybody else zigs i think that's really important for this team ishmael as you mentioned big wing excellent excellent shot maker he definitely wants his role to be a little more. That's why he left Kansas State. And a lot of the offers he was getting were mid-major looks, like a GW, New Mexico, or those teams, and it's like final few. Then Georgetown came in. Ed Cooley's like, look, I'll give you the role you want. Uh, not like to – like you're not going to be the guy on this team, but uh, you'll have more of an offensive role. He's a like, guy. Right, cool, I'm in. So that's the thing. Dontrell Styles. what are we expecting out of Dontrez? Uh, just a matter of what can he do um, – there are definitely a lot of questions with this team, how they gel, how you defend. But I feel like this is a team that's gone a little under the radar. Uh, Drew McKenna is a freshman, too. Uh, he's very mature freshman game, very good shooter, good score, very smart player, never forces shots, never gets like too in the feel of the game, and is someone who really improved at the end of his high school uh, career, which is why he ended up reclassing into this class. He's someone I'm expecting to get decent minutes. I think this is a team that's going to get better as the year goes on. They play a pretty soft non-conference schedule. It really doesn't pick up till. I mean, like mid-December, it doesn't pick up till then. You're not playing like a ton of great games. So this team that's going to get better as season goes on, I think this team could surprise some people. There's definitely a ceiling there that I think not a lot of people are talking about because they're not as in the weeds as I am. And maybe it's just wishful thinking. But I look at these last few Georgetown teams, they were talented, but my God, Ewing had no idea what he was doing. Defensively, bottom 300, bottom like 50 or whatever it would be in three-point percentage defense every single year. They couldn't defend a pick and roll. They couldn't defend the three. That was just, it was never going to happen. And no matter what you do, you're like every single offseason, it's like, all right, has Ewing learned how to defend the three? No. That's something that Coach Cooley prides his teams on. They're going to defend the three-point line. They're not going to be the biggest. Like You're going to definitely lose some battles inside, but they're going to be tough. They're going to play tough every game. And Coach Cooley has made every single year with those Providence teams, these last couple teams, they've really overperformed expectations. Even the team last year, that roster wasn't a team we were looking at making the tournament. That was a mid-tier Big East roster. This team I was lower on than most as well, so I'll eat some crow there. Bryce Hopkins really stepped up. Devin Carter really stepped up. These guys were better. He made he took these guys and made them a level up. He could do that same thing at Georgetown. So 
Uh, this is a team I think to watch for sure. Maybe they could catch some people, maybe, maybe sneak into a tournament, but I would expect them to make the NIT, but coach Cooley recruited that 2024 class. Well, they're going to, they're Georgetown will be back. Maybe it's not this year, but Georgetown is getting better and they'll be back soon. Yeah. And I agree with just about everything you said, and especially Ed Cooley is known for his defense, toughness, his teams to play for him. You have to be tough. And I, I do think, as the years progress with Cooley there, Georgetown will start to get back into the Georgetown people remember from their heyday in the 80s, early 90s. It's just going to take some time. This roster, you know, they could very well surprise. Cooley's a good enough coach. They've got a very much uh, an Ed Cooley-type roster on paper with the size, the strength, the, the grittiness. If a guy like Jade Nepps, who, again, was explosive at times. Shout out to our guy, Phil, because being an Illinois fan, he'll be the first to tell you, there was moments Jade Nepps looked amazing for the Illini. But then he had moments where he'd have seven turnovers and didn't know what the hell he was doing offensively and would lose his man defensively. If he can rein Jade Nepps in, allow him to play flashy when he needs to, but stay playing within himself, I think Jade Nepps could be very critical for this Georgetown team. And we, again, I think getting Ish Masood, a versatile guy that can defend, shoot, pass, all that, and go get a shot late in the shot clock, I think it's massive. Um, it may be still kind of a year away for Georgetown, as, as we've talked about, but I foresee them, I, I don't know, do you think they're a 15-win team this year? I'd over so. under 15. Yeah, I think over. so, too. I think, light. I think over 15, but less than 20 this year. Yeah. So somewhere between that, so which would probably put them in IT, but it's a step upward for, as you mentioned, the 2024 class, Coach Cooley's already starting to knock out of the ballpark. And then when we're sitting here next year talking, I think it's when we'll start talking about Georgetown back in the upper echelons of the Big East moving forward. So I think they're still a year away, but I think this year is going to be a lot more fun for Hoya fans than it has been the last four or five years. 100%. 100%. And they still got two open roster spots. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, there are a couple of Big East teams that have open spots. I don't know if they want to try to fill them or not, especially if you lose that uh, one of the guys. That'd be three open spots. So this is a team that could change, but I'm very high in Jaden Epps. I think he's I think he's special. Let's go to Coach Cooley's former team that probably is going to hate him when he comes back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's going to be much lost, much lost. I can't even speak. Must watch TV. English is hard. English is hard, man. It's very hard. With a dry <laughs> mouth, it's very hard. Must watch TV when Georgetown goes to Providence later on in the year and plays in the amp. Um, you look at Providence, though, new head coach. They bring back some guys, Jaden Pierre, Corey Floyd Jr., the two big ones, Devin Carter, Bryce Hopkins. Those are going to be the two guys that they rely on a, a whole lot. It's going to be interesting to see Hopkins. Was last year a fluke? Or is it something that he's capable of uh, replicating another year and beyond? Because he kind of faded away there at the end of the year. I think the overthought the Kentucky game, which I, I said would happen. The, I, I never buy into revenge games, by the way, because the guy always plays bad. Um, Devin Carter, we know him. He's a great on-ball defender. He's a guy that's a pest. I want to see his shooting and scoring improve. And then Providence brings in with them. Ticket Gaines comes in as a grad senior from George Mason. Uh, Garvey Duell, uh, 6'5", freshman. I don't remember. Was he a four-star kid? I can't remember. He was a high four-star. There's been yeah. some like, buzz about him being a, a one-and-done guy. I don't know if I buy that, but he is a very – he's a high four-star. 
Okay, that's what I was thinking. So they bring in a talented freshman, Gary Duell. Um, we mentioned ticket gains from George Mason. Austin coming up from George Mason is the 6'5 guard, Justin Fernandez, as well as the 6'9 forward, Josh Adoru, all three from George Mason. Along coming in is uh, 6'11 forward, Will McNair Jr. coming in as a grad transfer from Mississippi State. I think on paper, this is an okay roster. I think they're going to have to rely heavily on Bryce Hopkins, Devin Carter earlier in the year, give some production to Corey Floyd until Garwe Duel comes along like most freshmen take time. And then they might be able to start picking it up in the Big East. But the Big East is going to be rough this year. And just on paper, even though you've got Devin Carter, Bryce Hopkins, and you've got this pedigree the last couple of years, I, I, to me personally, looking at this, I don't think Providence is anywhere close to a tournament team. I think this roster is tournament talent. I am worried about Coach English. Uh, I don't think he did a great job at George Mason. Um, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, it, he was only there two years, but I don't think he ever like overperformed those expectations, especially in a week at A10 last year. There were some games where that team just made some awful awful mistakes that you just can't happen especially at this level and i think this providence team overperformed last year this is definitely a team that i'm very hot and cold on i think they have a very high ceiling and an incredibly low floor um like especially like you lose alan breed just recently due to his situation justin fernandez is expected to be out probably the entire year the transfer um and then garway duall is someone who i think he's a very good like additional piece he's not like a dominant scorer he's someone who i think is going to evolve into that role where he can be that long six foot five like point guard he's not there yet he's not a point guard yet but i think he's someone who will evolve into that in like two years maybe even a year after the season but i don't think that happens this year i don't know if they have a point guard and english one of the things he's mentioned is he wants this team to run and gun and shoot a ton of threes which he did not do at george mason's that'd be new but that does not suit this roster at all. Devin Carter's not a great shooter. Bryce Hopkins. Uh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was going to say Carter's not known for his shooting. He's not known for his defensive play. Yeah. It's I. This is a team that I have so many questions for, and I feel like we're, I feel like we're overprojecting them right now. I really do. I don't think this is a top twenty-five team. I don't think this is a top thirty team. I don't. I think this is a team that will be a borderline tournament team. Frankly, the more I'm talking about this team, the lower I get on them. I was at one point in the offseason, I'm like, all right, this is a top 30 team, not a top 25, but like right there. Now at this point, I think it's like maybe this team doesn't make the tournament. I don't know. This is a team I really waver on. Uh, no true point guard. They're, Hopkins and Carter are an excellent duo. They're going to defend their ass off. They're going to be tough every single night. And that Georgetown at Providence game is going to be like that Texas Tech at Texas, uh, Texas at Texas Tech game, excuse me, when Beard came back. It's going to be that energy. The energy in the AMP is something special that wills these teams into winning games. It really wills them to winning games that they sometimes otherwise shouldn't. So, well, here's a huge advantage for this team. And just some of the talent, like you look at a Carter and a Hopkins, those guys are physical and aggressive wings that will cause problems. Well, here's what I'm worried about is. If you're just projecting your five best players and, you know, Kim English talking about playing fast, shooting threes. And as you mentioned, where's the threes going to come from? Because yeah. this team's not the most talented. So if they're shooting a lot of threes and they're missing a lot of threes, that's a lot of long rebounds for yeah. op- like if you're missing long threes against Creighton, Marquette or UConn and allowing them getting the three on two transition or three on one fast breaks, you're getting blown out. Yeah. Like you better hope you make your threes. And if you're putting your best five on the floor, just projecting, that's a lot of guards, and Hopkins is going to play a small ball five because unless they expect Will McNair coming over from Mississippi State, which he's 6'11", but in his career from New Mexico State and Mississippi State, 
he's played in 116 games. He's only made 29 starts. In his career, he's got 448 points and grabbed 398 or 390 rebounds. He shot 52.8% from the floor, but his career high is only 18 points back when he's playing for New Mexico State against UTEP. I, I mean, if your best five, it's going to be Carter Hopkins, probably Corey Floyd Jr., Gary Dual, and um, or who I just say, Devin Carter, Floyd, Gary Dual, Hopkins. And maybe ticket gains coming over from George Mason, you know, is that a winning team? <laughs> I worry about Providence this year. I'm very high on Oduro, who they brought over from George Mason. He was one of the guys. Like I think he has been like a second team all to A10 type guy his entire career. He's averaging 15 and eight. He's a big. He's a very good big. He's skilled. He knows how to score inside. He knows what he's like great at. Not a great three point shooter. They're trying to add that to his game. I don't think that's going to be there. But he's a very crafty inside scorer. He's six foot nine. I think he will probably play a lot of inside. I feel like him and Hopkins are going to have to do a lot of the rebounding. Hopkins will have to have a similar season he had last year. I think he will have some help with Oduro. But Ed Croswell was a guy for this team who was really good. And people just, I feel like just because he was like very low profile, no one really talked about how great he was. But I feel like he was really good for this team. He was someone who really people didn't talk a ton about. I think Oduro is very good as well. I think Oduro will be about similar to what you got out of Croswell, but I don't know if that's enough for this team, but I, I think Oduro is much better than uh, you seem to. I'm really high on him. I think he's their third score. Let, let's go rapid fire. I know I said that, but as we start to wrap things up, we got three teams left to cover these two were, and it's no offense. I'm sorry guys, but these two, I want to rapid fire real quick because I, in my opinion, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Let's go Seton Hall first. They bring back Kadaria Richmond, Al Amir Dawes, Dre Davis, Jaquan Harris. Four good enough players. The guys they bring in, Dylan Ade Wusu from St. John's, should help out in the backcourt. Jaden Bidiaco, 6'10", grad senior, coming over from Santa Clara. And that's really it, man. Unless they get production from one of the freshmen, Isaiah Coleman could be an option. David Tubek is a 6'7 forward. Or if one of the guys I'm not expecting a lot of, like Sadrak and Ghana, or I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I've seen it in Ghana, Ghana. It's really weird. No offense to him either, but yeah. coming over from Boise State or uh, the six eleven senior, or sorry, six eleven center coming over from Austin P. Elijah Hutchins Everett. I look at this roster and I'm like, all right, Kadari Richmond can play. We've seen that at Syracuse. We've seen him at Seton Hall. Alamir Dawes, that's going to be a good backcourt. Throw in Dre Davis, who's inconsistent but has his moments. Jaquan Harris, four good enough guards for the Big East. But damn, where's everybody else at? Yep. I I think this team's gonna be very good defensively. I think they're gonna be a team that's good against the spread, uh, because I think they're gonna be underprojected in that sense. Um, offensively, definitely worries. They're gonna win a lot of like those 62, 60, 52, 52, 48 type games. That's the game Seton Hall is gonna have to play. I will need to see more offensively to really buy into this team. I I think Isaiah Coleman was a four star originally committed to Charleston. Uh, Shaw hasn't done well in the portal. They don't have a ton of resources. That's definitely a worry for this team going forward. But uh, shots of St. Peter's. I feel like this team is going to be a little underrated, especially against spread. I think they're just going to be in games. They're going to be tough. They're going to be there. They're not going to let you get anything easy. But uh, I feel like this is a team that just with the Big East is so good, someone's got to fall down, and that's going to be Seton Hall this year. Um, they'll be very tough. They'll be in close games. But I, I don't know how many wins that will lead to. Speaking of Shaheen, you know, last year it was what it was in this first year. Yep. This year on paper doesn't look great. 
if, if things go south this year for whatever reason, lack of front court play, uh, lack of scoring, whatever the, whatever this situation is, uh, they don't have a great year. I'm not saying Seton Hall is going to fire him, but if, if it's not another great year this year, you know, w- a year from now when we sit here and talk and preview the Big East, what do you think the level of um, confidence in Shaheen Holloway will be if they have a a fairly rotten year this year? I think it'll be low because that Seton Hall fan base, like Willard was making the tournament every year. They're yep. definitely like someone that's, that's a, I don't want to say a spoiled fan base, but because that's like a little over exaggerative, but like somewhere. Hey, I'm part of a spoiled fan base. Yeah. Son. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So somewhere along that line, like I feel like Seton Hall was a team that was overperforming these last couple of years. So they'll get towards it. I feel like they'll be a little light, a uh, little harsh on Shaw and he doesn't have the resources he needs to compete in this today's college basketball. So I think that's something that, uh, but yeah, I think they're going to be a little lower on him, but uh, I really, I like Shaw. I really want him to win. I want him to work there. I love him. I, I can't lie. I love him. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody likes Shaheen Holloway's personality, but he's going to have to figure it out. And you mentioned, you know, the portal, he's not really hit it hard, or at least not the the top tier talent that yeah. you need. So he's going to figure something out. Well, let's go to DePaul real quick. I think this is an interesting team because I know they weren't great last year, but I actually think in year one, Tony Stubblefield did a pretty decent job. You know, you look, they bring back Deshaun Nelson, Kel Murphy, Jalen Terry, Zion Cruz, KT Ramey. You know, that, that's that's not a bad five right there with some experience. Newcomers, Elijah Fisher coming in from Texas Tech, Chico Carter Jr. coming in from South Carolina, Jeremiah Oden from Wyoming is an interesting one, I think. Jaden Henley coming in from Minnesota, uh, a couple freshmen, Draymond Kamara and Churchill Abbas. And then you bring in from junior our community college, uh, Triton College, Keandre Young, who was a big-time scorer there. So when you look at DePaul this year, I think projections are going to have them low, maybe even last in the Big East. But I think this is one of those teams that's going to outperform projections but still not make the NCAA tournament, obviously. So what are you feeling about DePaul this year? Good team. You have a good, talented wings, good athletic group. Uh, problem is they don't have a center. They don't have anyone who – like Abbas is prop uh, – he's 6'8". Nelson six eight six nine six seven somewhere in that range. Six nine's their biggest, and that's Churchill Abbas, according to twenty four seven. They don't have a center. That's their big fatal flaw. They like if you brought back on Ganda, this was a team I was actually going to start talking up. Like you know what? Maybe we're sleeping a bit on DePaul, but they don't have a center. Um, they're some guys. It's like they didn't have great shot selection at times. I think Stubbs has done a decent job at this program, but. I don't think if, if he doesn't really produce this year, I feel like he's going to be a guy out the window and it's going to be no fault of his own. He just wasn't given enough and he needed a ton of time with this team. And he had some bad, really bad luck with injuries last year. Uh, just They just had the injury bug. They've just been unlucky for a couple seasons. Um, if they had a center, this team would be decently high on if they were able to get Isaiah Miranda or bring back on Genda, but they didn't. So this is a team I think they're bottom of the Big East. Um, yeah, that's all I really got there. When I mentioned Jeremiah Oden coming in as a senior transfer from Wyoming, and the reason I think he could be interesting is, like, his stats don't pop out to you, but year over year, he has made the incremental jumps. You look at his freshman year in 2020-2021, played 23 games, averaged, uh, let me get it over here, averaged four points a game, shot 24% from three. Sophomore year, played 34 games. They made the NCAA tournament. He averaged about 27 minutes a game, jumped up 7.8 points, shot 30.6% from three. Last year as a junior, played 30 games. Wyoming 
disappointing last year, but jumped up to 9.6 points per game. His three-point went up 4.4%, or roughly 4%, we'll say. Went up to 34.4%. So if the projections continue to increase, this could be a guy that's going to play every game for you, 30 games or more, probably average 11, 12 points if he continues to grow at the pattern he's going and shoots probably 36, 37% from three. That is huge for an undersized DePaul team that's probably going to have to rely on spreading the floor and shooting threes this year. Odin's a guy who I think could make a jump. I really like Elisha Fisher, too, uh, the Texas Tech transfer. He was a top, like, 30-ish recruit. Didn't play a ton on that team, but he's someone very athletic. I think he will fit that style. DePaul's going to have a lot of wings and a lot of guards that they've had the last couple of years. I feel like those are the, some of the guys that are really going to have to make an impact for them if this team does outperform. Uh, Jalen Terry, too, is someone uh, who was committed to Dana Altman when Stubbs was at Oregon. He brings him over to DePaul. I feel like he's someone who was also going to have to play a decent role. And Deshaun Nelson's going to have to be that guy. He was very inconsistent last year. He had some games where he just went crazy and some games where he made some crazy mistakes. He's going to have to round that out a little bit, settle into that sort of role. Um, if this team had a center, I'd actually be pretty high on them because I like these guards. And I think Deshaun Nelson's a perfect four for this kind of the way this team's going to play. But they, they just don't have a big man. I think they're going to get cooked inside consistently. And they're going to have to make a ton of threes to make up for that. And I don't know if their shooters are all that. I know they have a ton of athletes. I don't know if they're going to be able to hit those shots that Umoja Gibson hit last year. Just some of those like crazy, just from the freaking parking lot oh, beyond the logo. It's like, God damn. I don't know if they have those kind of shot makers this year, but I they got the wings. Uh, they got the wings to be athletic on the wings. They're going to be athletic, effective in that sort of style. And they could push you to play a certain pace if everything goes right. Now let's wrap this up with a team you're very familiar with. You're on campus there now. They are nearby me. We're only 30 minutes apart, uh, as everybody knows. Um, and, and I think they could be a very interesting case inside the Big East this year. Let's go to Butler and finish off this with them. They returned Jalen Thomas, fifth-year senior, 6'10", going to be their best player more than likely. Connor Turnbull's back, and then John Michael Malloy, the kid from Carmel High School that didn't really play a whole lot. But three 6'10 guys back, and then you look at the newcomers. You bring in freshman Finley Bizjack. Uh, Bowden Kapke, 6'10", another 6'10 kid. But the guys who are interesting to me, you bring in Posh Alexander from St. John's. We know what Posh can be when he's locked in and focused. He's a big-time scorer. He's going to handle the basketball for him. And the guy who I got a good taste of last week up in Canada when Kentucky played up there in the Global Jam games that gave him the business a couple games when they played him twice, Jamal Telford from transferring in from Northeastern, Six seven, they have him listed as a forward. I think he's going to play more of a guard wing hybrid, but he looked really good against a projected really good Kentucky team. If that transfers to Butler, they've got themselves a big time score. Not to mention they're getting the transfer guard junior from Michigan State, Pierre Brooks, to come in six six guard, long athletic. You know he's playing defense, playing for Tom Izzo. I think Butler, and you know they lose. Um, uh, uh, my God, why can't I think of his name? Went to Cincinnati. Seamus Lukosius. Seamus Lukosius. They lose him, right? They lose Manny Bates from North Carolina State. But I think this Butler team, if they can get the pieces to fit and click right, I think Butler could be a, a upper-end, middle-of-the-road Big East team. I, I think they could be knock off a team or two that they're not supposed to, but then lose to DePaul or Seton Hall. I think that's about where they can be if everything clicks. 
I think that's definitely towards like the ceiling for this team. Uh, last year, one of the worries with this team was they were not physical on the wing. They would just get manhandled. Like there were only, there was only one team that really got blown up by Seton Hall and that was Butler. And it happened twice. They just got manhandled. They got out physical. They got out willed. Seton Hall wanted it more and Butler just kind of folded. That's not going to be the case with this year's team. That was one of the weaknesses. The staff definitely identified. I think Telford's the leading scorer for this team. He's someone I'm really high on. I agree. Did you see him play against Kentucky? I saw one of the games and then some highlights for the other one. I didn't wasn't able to watch him. Uh, the really talented. Really yeah. talented. Yeah, I saw him at Northeastern a couple times too. Like I think he's the leading scorer for this team. I think he's someone who can translate to uh, Big East play. The jump shot's a little bit of a worry shooting 32%, but he was the guy on that Northeastern team. You had to game plan for Telford. I think he's going to have a little more help this year. Finley Bizjack is a freshman. I am sky high on. I think he is special. You do not. Freshmen don't come with his shooting ability. He is fearless. He is not afraid of anything. He will drive in the lane. Uh, defensively, definitely a little bit of a worry and threw some like crazy passes that I think could get stolen with more athletic guys. But that jump shot, he can create for himself. He is someone I am sky high on, and he's going to get better in his college career. I love his game so, so much. He is someone who you should get an eye on. He's going to have one of these games where he shoots 7 of 8 from 3, 25 points, and has Butler wins a game they should not win. It's like uh, you knock off a St. John, say, just – throwing a team out there because Finley has that crazy game that is going to happen at some point. Uh, Posh. If when you bring in Posh Alexander, you have to press this team is going, they better press. It would be foolish of them not to uh, Bizjack and DJ Davis, your two shooters. I don't know what we're expecting at a Pierre Brooks. He's someone who very hot and cold when he's on, he's really playable when he's not, he wasn't great defensively. Izzo had to sit him for long times and didn't play a ton towards the end of the season. Lennon Moore is a developmental point guard piece. He will play some, probably like 15-ish minutes a game. Hopefully we're expecting him to take a jump, hopefully, and really become that point guard for the future for this team. Uh, definitely a lot. There's a lot of wiggle room with this team, but uh, I got them ninth in the Big East. That, that'd be my pick currently. I think they finish above a Seton Hall and above a DePaul, but below everyone else. But hopefully they make a surprise. You know, it's my senior year here, man. I want to see a tournament team, really some big <laughs> games in Hinkle. So, like, I'm hoping my expectations are low, and then they overperform them. So that's the dream here. Uh, yeah, that's all I got here. And admittedly so, I haven't got around to studying. They also bring in 7-1 center, trans, senior transfer from Bucknell, Andre Screen. 7-1-230 is a load of a human being. Yeah. I mean, this Butler team is large. I mean, I mentioned it. 6'10", 6'10", 6'10", 6'3", 6'10", 6'3", 6'6", 6'6", 6'7", 6'6", 7'1". This will rival, in a way, UConn, how big they were last year. I mean, this is a large, <laughs> big team. And if everything clicks, I mean, you're looking at a lineup potentially of Tosh Alexander and Pierre Brooks and Jamal Telfort and throw in maybe the Finley Bizjack kid or DJ Davis coming in from UC Irvine, along with Jalen Thomas, who's big and strong, really good around the rim. This could be a very athletic Butler team that has a lot of size. I, I think defensively, they could be really good if their guards will – funnel everybody into the size down low to protect the rim and block shots. You can't, uh, you know, Posh can't half-ass play defense and allow his man to beat him for a 15-footer. But if they lock in defensively or even press, like you said, I think Butler has potential to be a high-end defensive team. I think that's something this team's going to need to be. Uh, I You've mentioned there are so many big guys. The problem with that is I feel like we're almost at some sort of backup quarterback syndrome here. Like, just all these guys feel like they can be good, but none of them are, like, great, especially in this Big East. Thomas is your starter. Uh, Screen is a guy who didn't play a ton at Bucknell. Def the staff definitely sees something in him, uh, so hopefully they get a lot more out of him than I am expecting. 
Uh, John Michael Malloy's not going to play much. He's definitely an end of the bench guy, but someone who I feel like this team needs for like almost morale and like team bringing the team together. He's been on those good Butler teams. He's the one guy who you can point to and say, John was there. Listen to him. He's going to take some sort of leadership role, maybe from the bench. And just he's done a lot. Like he's been the public figure for like a lot of Butler's NIL efforts. Uh, he threw out the first pitch in an Indy Indians game, which is the local triple uh, uh, A team. Triple A, yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's really his role. I, I'm worried about some of the bigs inside. Augusto Casilla is one of the freshmen. They brought him over from NBA, uh, the NBA Academy. I think he's from Brazil. He's someone I've heard some good things about in these practices. So maybe he's someone who can surprise some people. Maybe he's a big guy. I think he was pictured next to Jalen Thomas. No one knows what his height is. No one really knows anything about him because all the NBA Academy stuff we find is a couple years ago. Good athlete from what I did see. Um, no, I don't even have him on my roster. They yeah. don't have him listed. Exactly. He's He's been on campus. I I can. There are definitely pictures of him there. He's someone who is – he's big. He probably will play some good minutes. He's someone who, if Butler is really good, it's because Casillo – no one will have expected anything from him, and he can be a guy who averages eight points, five boards, something like that. So uh, he's someone who I'm looking to – like when Butler will do the exhibitions and probably I think this first one on the schedule will be about three months from now, maybe a little more. Uh, he's someone I'm definitely going to be watching with a keen eye to see, all right, is he this guy that I've heard some great things about him in practice? Is that because he's great or is that because some of the big guys he's gone up against are not great? It's that's, he's definitely one of the questions I'm going to have with this team, but uh, he's someone to look out for if you're looking for like a deep sleeper. Yeah, and I think again, I think if everything goes well, like we've talked about with all these teams, uh, Butler could be very interesting. They could be really interesting. A couple of explosive guards, the freshman you mentioned, uh, Biz Jack, you know, sniping the ball, Sniper. and then it, it's going to be do what? Same with DJ Davis. Those two are yep. snipers. The rest of the team were shooting, but those two, forty percent from three guys in my mind. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So as we start to wrap this thing up. Um, you're, you're kind of, I know we're still a ways away from doing yep. official predictions and we still got more studying and all yep. that stuff. But just for the sake of this episode, when you look at the Big East now, kind of your overview thoughts on how you think this conference may play out this year. I think I'm going to take Marquette to be my champ currently. Uh, maybe they won't make the deepest tournament run. Maybe someone else will, but I feel like they could, they've worry with them is they've definitely hit their ceiling. Like, I feel like they, we know like from an analytical perspective of what this team's going to be, I feel like they're going to be very similar to that team last year. Uh, UConn could make a deep run. Same with Creighton. I think I will project us the Big East to get six tournament teams. Uh, I feel like someone's going to make just maybe some of these teams we've talked about, maybe one takes a jump. Maybe one is worse than expected. I feel like there's been a certain like a distinction with Big East, like just the general like Big East people community talking about it, that there's like definitely a definitive tier. I feel like there are going to be some teams that underperform and overperform those levels, but I feel like we have a distinct top three, that being UConn, Marquette, Creighton, and whatever order you want to put them in. And then from there, you have your St. John's, who's right, right like on that tier below, and then just the rest of the league. So I feel like we get six tournament teams. I feel like this is going to be a very interesting league, very fun league to follow for sure. And I feel like we're this is another year the Big East makes some noise for sure. This is this is this is the year for the Big East. I, I think I'm with you, um, especially Marquette winning. I, you know, yep. we raved about St. John's. I think they're a tournament team this year if everything okay. goes right for sure. You, you kind of took my other question of how many tournament teams, but you, you've got six as we sat here on July 23rd. And so I guess the other thing would be. Um, of the Big East teams that we set here now, who do you think goes the furthest in the tournament? 
That's tournament's so matchup based. It's so hard to do this stuff. So early. Hey, I'm putting you on the spot, yeah. man. You know what? I feel like Creighton's a team that could cause matchup problems just in the tournament when you play that sort of style. And if, as long as they don't see a team that's like particularly athletic, I'm going to say Creighton just because I don't know, just, I feel like Creighton's going to be the one team that no one else would say. So someone listening to this like, Ooh, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe like that's like a sharp pick for so If I said UConn, that's like, well, duh, that's the one everyone expected. So if I say Creighton, people will be like, man, I didn't see that one coming. And then they make a deep run. I'll get all the credit that I need versus like, you know, if I said UConn, it's like, well, duh. And if he's wrong about that, I'm an idiot. So I'm going to say Creighton could be Marquette, but uh, I'm going to say Creighton just because I picked Marquette to win the, uh, the Big East title. We've, talked raved about UConn and they were the team last year so Creighton was the one I didn't talk about a ton so if I say them here I think everyone will be like happy with me and that's really all that matters outside of Connecticut Marquette the two odds on favorites um and we'll throw Creighton in there as well so outside those three if the Big East gets wild and crazy this year what what underdog team so any of the non-three of those jumps up and has a great year finishes top two in the conference Slick Ricks, he's just one of the best coaches in the country. You got to point to him. And then I think Villanova is the other team that can do that. Uh, I really like the Wings. I think they're going to play a style that's going to be really hard to prepare for. And especially on like short notice, it's like, no, you are not. This Villanova team, you have Wings. You're going to play their sort of game. And I think they're a team that's sliding a little under the radar because Slick Rick getting guys like last week. It's like, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, he adds talent. Versus this Villanova team's been talented. They're going to work together. And I feel like their their cohesiveness and these guys, they got fit perfectly. So I'm going to say, just because we talked up St. John so much in this episode, I'm going to say Nova is that team that can finish in that top two and really surprise some people. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and I'll say Georgetown. And the reason being, if everything goes right, Cooley will keep games close in the yep. low 60s and they'll win more than they lose. If everything goes right, of course, this yep. is projecting. Yep. And if he does that, if games are played in the 60s, Georgetown's going to win more than they lose, more than likely, and they'll be a top three or four team in the Big East this year in surprise teams. I'd be, that would be a dream for uh, the old kid from the D.C. I would love that. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a team growing up, man. I've been watching this team my entire life. Uh, like, oh, they, they're playing the TBT game. Uh, I believe they, that game is Tuesday at 2. Those are all the guys I grew up watching, man. Uh, it's just like I just read those names. It's like, oh, my God, Chris Wright's playing. Devontae Smith-Rivera, oh, my goodness. Henry Sims, come on. Hey. So, that's my shout team, out, man. Shout out DSR. I got a real quick story. I've told the other guys I'll say it on air real quick. DSR, I seen him play a senior year in high school. Yeah. Um, the Indiana or the Indiana high school basketball tournament, you know, it's broke down to sectional, regional, semi-state, and the state finals, four different classes. Well, he played for 4A Powerhouse North Central right up there in Indianapolis where you're at. So they had an incredible regional tournament played at Hinkle Fieldhouse. I think it was 2011 was his senior year, I think. Somewhere like and that, yeah. North Central was up there, which had DSR. They had Hamilton Southeastern, which had Gary Harris. And they had uh, Zach Irvin. Mm-hmm. Both went back-to-back Mr. Basketballs. Gary played at Michigan State. Irvin went to play for Michigan. They had Center Grove High School, which had Johnny Marlin, who ultimately played for IU. He's a high school coach around the area now. Um, and then they had uh, Pike, which had Marcus Teague. And um, uh, shit, his dad used to coach IUPUI. Um, RJ, damn, what's his dad's last name? It, it's escaping me right yeah. now. But, but he played at Georgia State and stuff. But incredible regionals. And DSR was just outstanding. North Central ended up winning that. And he went for, I think, like, 
30 both games, the morning session, night session, right there in Butler at Hinkle. One of the best high school day of basketballs I've ever seen because all the incredible D1 talent. But little funny DSR story I always think about because he went to Georgetown next year. But um, before we wrap this up real quick, before I let you plug anything you got coming up or you've done recently, just real quick looking around the nation. I know you haven't really had a chance to get fully in-depth. We've talked about it at the top of the show. A lot of really good teams this year, Purdue, Michigan State, Kansas, Duke. I think Kentucky's going to be a lot better than what people think, especially watching them up there in Canada last week. But when you look around the nation, um, kind of your thoughts, a team or two that maybe it's going to stand out to you to keep an eye on this year. God, I hate to say this so much. The two teams are really like, I think Duke's the best team in the country right now, and I hate Duke so much. I hate him with a passion, but my, that <laughs> roster's talented. And you bring Flip back, Tyrese Proctor, that team's really good. And – I think Maryland's going to surprise some people. I hate Maryland as well. I hate him desperately. But Deshaun Harrisman's a one and done. That kid, no, not enough people are talking about that kid. He is special. He's so, so good. He, this is a pretty weak, all things considered, class, uh, like high school class. I think he's someone who could be a lottery pick. I don't think people are talking about him enough. His, his talent just really jumps off the page to me. He's someone I have sky high expectations for and is not getting the national recognition that he should. Well, and I think the, the Maryland one surprises me because I haven't really got to de- dive yeah. into them since I'm not responsible for the Big yep. Ten coverage. But I'm going to have to look at them now. Now you got me curious. And I'll give you one. I'll throw one back that maybe not a lot of the national people are thinking about right now. Texas A&M on paper is going to be really good. They bring back damn near everybody. They're going to be really good. Buzz Williams is a hell of a coach. I think keep an eye on Texas A&M this year. Um, I like it. I like it. <laughs> You know, I got to apologize, too. At the top of the show, I'm so used still in my Reds mode. I called yep. <laughs> you Michael De La Rosa. It's actually Michael De Rosa. So yep. my apologies. Um, yeah, my mom would definitely listen to that and was like, you, no, no, it's De Rosa. But I wasn't well, going to step in. I, I, I have Ellie De La yeah. Cruz on the brain, yep. and I added the love. My bad, bro. It, but, it, uh, it, it's very common. It happens all the time. I've. When they would call my name over the loudspeakers, it was De La Rosa. It's like, that's just not my name. But, you know. <laughs> that's not happened. my name. I'm used to it now. So. That's not my name. That's not my <laughs> name. <laughs> uh, before we let you get out of here, bro, plug anything you got, any articles, anything you got going on, where they, where the people where the people can find you at. Yes, sir. Uh, at Twitter, MD the Dream. That's my handle. Follow me there. Uh, we're uh, I'm going to be launching, uh, me and my one of my colleagues, Chris Dedenga, uh, we're running a show both at Road to the Garden, but we're doing a show, uh, more national stuff. I got a couple Twitter uh, – oh, my goodness, speaking is so hard. Twitter clips I'm cutting to get out there. We're really trying to grow that thing, talking national, because we both love this sport so much. And while we follow the Big East so intently, we follow the rest of the country too. So uh, definitely talking some more, like, national stuff. And uh, those definitely the two main things I've got. Newcomer analysis series I'm doing along the Big East, guys. A lot of the freshmen I've looked at. Definitely got some more of that coming. Uh, don't know who I'm doing next, but – uh, that's definitely a conversation I'm going to figure out like tomorrow, uh, all that sort of stuff. All the articles I'm writing, Road to the Garden, house-enterprise.com, all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, think I got as much information in there as possible. <laughs> well, obviously, we got a shout out. Of course, this podcast is presented in part with the House uh, House College Hoops and House yep. Enterprise. Head over to our site now, house-enterprise.com for more information. You'll find Michael's work over there. You'll find myself, Phil. All the gang from Road oh, yeah. to the Garden, House Enterprise, and the ECB boys over there. So go over to house-enterprise.com to check us all out. We got you covered wall-to-wall and all your information from college basketball. We're wrapping up episode 154. From myself, 
from my friend, not La, but Michael De Rosa. Oh, <laughs> nah, you know better than I can. Hey, that's the Italian, buddy. Italiano, mamma hey, mia. Mi chiamo. But wrapping up episode 154 from all of us, we hope you guys enjoyed this in-depth look early into the Big East Conference. Hope it gets your juices flowing. We're only a couple months away from college basketball. But until episode 155 from everybody here at ECB, House Enterprise, and the Road to the Garden, we hope you guys have enjoyed the rest of your weekend, end of your work week, and we will catch y'all down the road. See ya. Peace.